talk about, we're gonna, this is a good segue into the detox genes. Yes. The GSTT. The GST family. GST family, all right, we'll yeah. call it. So this was fascinating to me because luckily that I, I do have two copies of the, two in one copies of the detox genes and Dr. Monster will explain what that means and why those detox genes are really important. And just a quick, a quick story is that a friend of mine who is a clinician, she's a, a nutritionist, she was gaining a lot of weight. She's in perimenopause or in her perimenopausal years. She called me up. She's like, I know that you're kind of a little bit more ahead of me. Uh, you know, she's going up and down. And especially in perimenopause for me, oh my gosh, I would gain and lose eight to 10 pounds like over like a couple of days. Like it was all over the map in terms of weight for me until, and even, you know, now I know that if my liver is not, you know, needs a little bit of cleaning, like I can, you know, tend to gain a little bit here and a little bit there. And so I had said to her, well, I have a great option for you. What are you, do you, you know, do you know what your detox genes are? And she's like, what do you mean my detox genes? I'm like, you have to get your genes tested by Dr. Monsoor, the DNA company. And she did. And literally just by getting her, her tested, she knew exactly what her, she had zero copies, zero. And you can explain the zero one too, but she had literally no capacity from a genetic standpoint to be able to detox anything. And that was contributing to her weight gain throughout these years. So anyway, she had, you know, went to the DNA company and you had helped her, you know, you guys had helped her with a bunch of stuff and she lost 10 pounds, like just like that, by just changing, I guess, the expression of those genes or helping her detox indeed, better. Indeed. So, so let's, let's put that into context yeah. and clarify and str stratify a few things. What in God's green earth does detoxification have to do with weight gain? Some, sometimes folks might hear this and go, oh boy, here we go again. There's no scientific proof. What are they talking about? We've got to understand that th there are absolute basic principles. Certain toxins, i.e. metabolites, when present in your cells at levels higher than they should be, what do they do? What's the underlining word? Inflammation. Mm. And this is something we're understanding better and better and better. If there are things in your cells, let's keep it simple but accurate, if there are elevated levels of toxins or metabolites that shouldn't be there or shouldn't be there at that level in your cells, you create a pro-inflammatory environment for your cells. In a pro-inflammatory cells that are more inflamed than they should be, a really important function in your cells start to go haywire, starts to not behave the way you want it. And what is that function? The energy balance of the cells. Okay. How your cells are producing energies, the energy of the cells, and using that energy. And once that energy balance, keeping it simple, is this, like is the job, this is the job of the mitochondria. mitochondria. Okay, just, the I was just listening to a great podcast this morning about the mitochondria. Absolutely. And the, so the mitochondria, the little battery cells of the body, mm -hmm. are the locus. The mitochondria are hugely affected mm -hmm. by the inflammatory condition of the cells. Right. So if a cell becomes pro-inflammatory, inflamed. inflamed, the efficiency of this energy, both the making of it and the using of it, becomes compromised. Becomes compromised. What do we have? We have a change in the energy ratio, the energy balance of the cell. And when you change the energy balance of the cell, your ability to burn your calories, your ability to lose weight or conversely gain weight, Effective. more difficult absolutely effective. you're affecting the hmm. the the that that energy balance of the cell keeping it simple okay. and this is an absolute phenomena this is not one that is pined it's an absolute it's phenomena. science this it's is 100 understood okay now 
So if you can understand that, and, and this is, again, I just want to stress for some of the viewers out there, this is the focal point now of some of the leading research institutes studying autoimmune diseases, mm. studying the real clinical manifest machinations of obesity and so on and so forth. So detox we, is being... Is no, mitochondrial, mitochondrial function yes, very, and the very energy balance. Now. Yes. So now what did all of that have to do with detox? Yeah. Well, we said, what were the things affecting the mitochondria? Toxins, mm -hmm. or potentially toxins. And if we're not getting tablet. rid of them. And if we're not getting rid of them. So many, so many of us are not going to the bathroom as often as we should. Constipation plays a big role, but I'm guessing that's how it comes out. But this, I'm, does I'm it speaking start at before the cellular that? level. The cellular I'm speaking level, at even. the cellular level. But couple that Abs with the fact that course, we have this epidemic of, of you know, people just not going right. to the bathroom regularly. That just, it's like this, this, I guess, this whole. It makes this formula of like... And I, to, to this point, I want to interject a point, you know, we can keep that and it's perfectly biologically accurate that obviously the ability to go to the bathroom, it's one of the main ways by which we get rid of what? The rubbish, the, yeah. the toxins, yeah, the yeah. byproducts of the body. But there's something else that you need to know. And it's a very important factoid that is now full, better understood. 80, 80 80% of the metabolites in your bloodstream in a healthy or unhealthy person, doesn't yeah. matter. 80% of what's in your bloodstream comes from your microbiome. Hmm. Comes from the bacteria, not even your cells, comes from the bacteria in your the GI microbiome. tract. Yeah. If you're not treating your GI tract healthily, and whatever that might mean for a person, let's not get into that, yep. but a whole a, other show. an unhealthy <laughs> yeah. GI tract, yep. which one can only imagine is directly related to one's daily cycle of food, food going to the bathroom, levels, and everything, these, lifestyle, right? yep. an unhealthy GI microbiome mm -hmm. dramatically changes the metabolites, the potential inflammatory agents in the blood yep. comes from the GI tract. Okay. Now here's a little dovetail for you ladies out there. This is the work of uh, Dr. Hamid Khalili uh, from Harvard University, okay. brilliant gastroenterologist. And what has mm. he shown conclusively? The continuous use of being on the birth control pill, which is not to demonize or to say that it shouldn't be used appropriately, but the continuous use of the birth control pill increases the rate at which toxins from the GI tract get into the bloodstream. Mm i.e. increasing the inflammation of the body. So now let's finish and tie the final loop. Yep. If we understand that mitochondrial function is so radically important yep. to a cell mm -hmm. and to the energy balance and to the metabolic rate of that cell, mm -hmm. and if we understand that those mitochondria, the little energy batteries within our cells, are affected by inflammation mm -hmm. and if we understand that inflammation can be caused by these toxins these metabolites both that which enters the body as well as the metabolites of estrogen production mm -hmm. yeah. and that there are systems there are pathways controlled by genes mm -hmm. that get rid of these toxins we're gonna call them our detox genes. Our detox genes and to then finally it. we understand that for the individuals in this room both in front and behind the camera we can have radically, and for all of our audience members, your innate detox capacity, which is directly related to your innate detox genes, mm -hmm. the genes that yep. dictate how your body will detoxify themselves, yep. 
radically different from person to person or can be Be radically different from person to person. And this is what's so fascinating. You know, and even before we met, I remember saying, and I work with holistic practitioners, and I would say to her, you know, my body heals really quickly. And I never really understood what that meant. And I was just like an innate thing. I'd be like, okay, if I have a cold, it doesn't linger on for like a long time. I get a cold, it's done within a few days. But just even, you know, things, if I put something in, it comes out quickly. Like I just know my body. And this is something that I just, uh, women so important for us in general is to really listen to our bodies and understand our bodies and get to know our bodies, right? So I used to say that my body heals really quickly, but then when I met Dr. Mansour and we sat down, he's like, here's why. (laughs) So that's a segue to you. I just want you to, you know. And again, once you intelligently read, not just individual genes, and I want to stress certainly for the clinicians out there, what you've got to keep your eye on at the end of the day, honestly, it's not so much the genes that we're concerned with per se, it's about the function of the cell that we're concerned with. But of course, the genes impact the function. Right. So when you begin to read, and anyone out there looking at genetic information, please elevate your discourse from looking at gimmicky single genes. That's not the goal of this. The goal of healthcare, the goal of intelligent genomics, of intelligent genetic medicine is study the genes, but study what the genes are doing in the cells, the function, and ask, is that function optimal or innately, genetically predisposed, optimal, suboptimal? How might it be attenuated by lifestyle, nutrition, environment? And how can we then sit down and plot a much better regimen in the case of hormones, in the case of hormone replacement, in the case of hormone health and hormone care, how can we do that at the individual level? Mm -hmm. And to summarize that, here's what we're going to need to know. We're going to need to know what is the innate proclivity of that young woman in terms of her estrogen dominance, Andrew, how much, what is her tendency, if both innately as well as if I were to put back into that young woman. You see, a young woman might think, I want a bit, and she speaks to her clinician. I'm going to keep this very simple, please, purposely. Yep. And she says, I'm going to take some testosterone for certain reasons. So a lot of older women oh, I've heard do that. Yeah. Absolutely. Fair enough. In a balance, presumably, yep. under the guidance of a clinician. A healthcare provider. A, a healthcare doctor, provider. Yes. Okay. She's going to take some testosterone for some whatever purposes they might be, including, you know, maybe some libido effects, including some muscle tonicity, and all of the reasons why we might give a young woman some testosterone. Or an older woman? Or an older woman. Okay. When I say young woman, you know, I tend to speak, I'm speaking of the menopausal woman, because you're still young. Yeah, we are. Indeed. (laughs) Now, I just wanted to be, it's also a clarifying from an age. No, indeed. So we're speaking of the menopausal woman here. But you see, you don't realize, many women don't realize that that testosterone is going to go ahead and make estrogens because that's what testosterone does. Mm -hmm. It's going to impact the body as testosterone, but while it is in your body, it's also getting converted into estrogens. And the rate, the efficiency with which the testosterone that you took, that you thought you were taking testosterone for whatever reason you were taking it for, you don't realize that some of that testosterone is getting converted into estrogens and the rate Then we've got the E2, the E4 and, and the E16 and, and how quickly indeed, or not. Yeah. And all of that cascade is genetically, innately, individually determinable. Mm-hmm. So you give 50 women at 50 years old, they all have the same BMI, they're all, let's just say, the same ethnic race, same BMI, they live and they eat and their environment is the same. But you give these 50 women the same level of testosterone, 
and the purported what you wanted to observe by giving them testosterone is going to vary, and everyone knows this. What's causing that variation? A large component of it is going to be their innate genetic. How quickly there's this important gene, ladies, it's known as the aromatase gene, okay. otherwise known as the CYP19A1 gene. And God forbid, there'll definitely be individuals in the audience, either directly or through someone else, may, may have had a bout of cancer, for example. And one of the options in terms of depending on the type, let's just say the type of breast cancer, are aromatase inhibitors. Okay. Why is an aromatase Those inhibitor? Those are drugs okay. that are used, one class of drugs that are used in breast cancers or to treat breast cancers. Why is that a class of drugs? Okay. Look what it's doing. It's inhibiting aromatase. Aromatase is the thing that converts testosterone into estrogens. Okay. If I inhibit the thing, it doesn't allow the testosterone. It does not to allow the testosterone estrogen. to convert into estrogens. And estrogens in certain classes of cancers, i.e., estrogen positive, ER positive cancers, the cancer cells feed off of estrogen. They use estrogen. So these drugs to, block. So them. these drugs block them. So your aromatase gene, your CYP19A1 gene, and the version of your CYP19A1 gene. Do you have the quote-unquote fastest version of that gene or the slowest version of that gene will dictate the rate at which your body naturally converts testosterone into estrogen. So the slow version is the good, better version, right? For many young women, it okay. is. Okay. For many young women, it is because it means she's not going to be overly estrogen dominant. Okay. But independent of whether she's estrogen dominant right. or not, what happens next is how are you metabolizing the estrogens into the two estrogen, four estrogen, 16. sixteen? So how does all of this play a role then in the detox? Because I do think the detox gene, the, the GS family, the or GST family, family. And we're going to address okay. that now. So I want to know because I think that to me, I mean, like we were saying before, because it's going to remove all those or help to remove and determine yeah. how it's those metabolites are removed from our body. So how does that play a role? You know, when we speak of genes, it's important. It's the miracle of creation, we are, after all, the product of a mom and dad. Mm -hmm. So the vast majority of genes in your genetic operating manual, you've got two copies of genes, the vast majority. Okay. You get one copy of a gene from mom, one copy of a gene from dad, the vast majority right. of your genes. And that's how the human body was designed to work off of this miraculous two copies. Okay. Okay? But a few genes, clearly not the majority of them, are affected by a phenomena, believe it or not, where a gene, either one or both copies, can be completely deleted. Oh, wow. And this was the case in your nutritionist friend. You yeah, see, in your nutritionist friend, two of the most important detox genes. Now, how could you... Let's call it for what it is. She was an adult and she was otherwise doing okay. Yeah, until she right? got into perimenopause. So... What was happening was, of the multiple pathways, and now if think of it for a moment, if you were going to be the per, you know, if you were supposed to design the human body, you were responsible for designing the human body, and you know that this human body was going to be placed into an environment of which there were lots of toxins, both external and internal, you're, going, you're not going to leave the detox mechanism to just one gene. Because God forbid, if something happens to that one gene, we're really up the creek without a paddle, so right. to speak. So to be clear, everyone out there, there are multiple 
pathways, multiple processes by which your cells can get rid of the toxins that we want them to get rid of, both the external, the internal, the metabolites, estrogen metabolites, and so on and so forth. But some of those pathways are radically important, and without them, we can still survive, but that's the point. We're surviving, we're not optimal. And at certain points in your life, either because of a changed environment, why is it? You've got a young woman or male, a person, they're doing perfectly fine. And how many times I have patients come to me or come to our various clinics, and this was a young student living at home, perfectly healthy, goes off to university, goes into a boarding house, you know, with a few friends, not recognizing in some of these university homes, replete with mold toxins or something else, Mm. and that person gets radically ill. Four roommates, one of them gets radically ill, not the rest. And all sorts of physiologic manifestations that are hard to put a finger on. And what we find is that person of the four roommates is the person whose innate ability to get rid of toxins is significantly less than his or her peers. And so now when she's challenged with that toxic exposure, Mm -hmm. she experiences the ill effects of it far more than others. Let's put this in the context of menopause. Okay. Detoxification, here's, we're going to tie another loop. As much as the liver is the epicenter of the body's detox processes, every cell of our body needs to be able to detox. It's not just to the liver. In fact, some cells more than even others. We want the cells that line the nasal bronchial cavity. That's a portal of entry into the human body. You want that portal of entry. You want your border patrol to be detoxifying. All the time. All the time. You want the cells that line the GI tract to have detox abilities. So it's not just the liver. So when we shift hormone production from the, from the ovary and the metabolism in the liver to the cells of our body, particularly the adipose cells, yeah. and those cells are supposed to detoxify, and mind you, they're not designed to detoxify as efficiently as the liver, but if they're already impaired there by the go. GSC family, there we then go. that makes it even harder. There we go. And now we end up with systemic inflammation mm. due to untoward levels of cellular mm. metabolites or toxins or the potential for untoward levels of cellular toxins and metabolites, which cause what? Inflammation. inflammation. Which cause what? Or contributes to what? mitochondrial dysfunction of all of many different things mm-hmm. but one thing that we're focusing and some of the greatest minds in the medical world are looking at now this effect and then you create cells for which there's inflammation there's mitochondrial dysfunction now nothing you cannot hope that cell is as optimal as if you had proper mitochondrial function as if you had low inflammation Inflammation. I mean, that is a buzzword we hear all the time, and this explains exactly why inflammation is so bad and why we need to keep it under control. And I know that. I hope you're enjoying the interview so far. Be sure to check out our third and final interview with Dr. Monster Mohammed, where we talk about the DNA test and intelligent individual genetic information. That's information that is specific to your genetic makeup.